0: CHAPTER FOUR RATCHET PRICK You don't think that I know you, but I do, Uncle Beau had said. I remember that conversation with him vividly, as though he were a ghost whispering wisdom in my ear. Sarah's uncle had become like an uncle to me. Her family was my family. I felt that as fucked up and different as they were, I was a part of them. Beau was a reformed convict and had an accent like a Brooklyn mobster. He was still a good man with a big heart. He was short and compensated for it by furiously lifting weights to the point where his physique was almost dwarven. Sarah's uncles, her mother, and her boyfriend used to run a fairly successful coke business with interests in real estate and a flower shop to keep up a nice front. It all changed one day when the eldest brother was gunned down in a shootout with the NOPD and the men got sent away. This was the turning point in their lives. Miss Brenda, her mom, had decided her best course of action was to find a new man to support her and her daughter at whatever the cost. I sat there in the wrought iron chair in my driveway in the ghetto. It wasn't the best part of town, and I was the only white man on my street, but my neighbors didn't generally bother me. I made sure of it. I'd like to think that it was due to my insane demeanor and the fact that I wore a high and tight and was usually armed. That may have been a big part of it, but honestly, having several rowdy dogs and a spiked iron fence around the old shotgun probably played a bigger role. You don't think I know you, but I do. I chuckled at that statement. I know what you done for her. I know that you, you're a good man, and that you was good for her. I smiled, but I did my best to be nonchalant about it doesn't matter sir she no longer loves me and has said that she's dating someone else I could almost hear him shaking his head like a grumpy kid refusing broccoli he exhaled oh boy you don't know you don't know what's really happening here he paused waiting a moment foist Voiced," he went on excitedly, like a kid on Christmas talking about the coolest toy. Foist, get that out of your head. You should know women by now. And I know that you've been around a block a time or two. So you should know that with women, what they say is not what they mean. And geez, Sarah's young. She's trying to figure out what kind of woman she wants to be still. Whether she's going to be like her moms or what. I just listened as he went on. Sarah loved you. That girl loves you still. And that was some real shit. i seen the way y'all looking at each other, and I know you truly loved her. The way she look at you is the way a woman look at a man when she's really in love. And you look at her the same way. That's why you was taking care of her so good. I shrugged on the phone as though he could see it. Okay, so what? So what? That's the important thing. I know she wanted to marry you, but look here. You need to think about what's really going on. I paused again, getting ready to lead me in. I could tell he felt like an emotional Sherlock. This is really about Whitney. Sarah's mom went by Whitney or Brenda, depending on which circle of friends she was with. It always confused the shit out of me. I know we didn't get along, and Brenda didn't like me too much. What does that have to do with anything? He let out another sigh. I could feel him rolling his head exaggeratedly. Everything! Think about it. Think about what was happening with Whitney when y'all broke up. Why she moved in with her mother. Why well, she had moved in with her mother. Thinking about it, it started to make sense. She had just broken up with what's-his-name. Brenda had a habit of dating men for the wrong reasons and staying far too long. Right before Sarah moved out, Brenda had come to stay with us briefly after she left her four-year relationship. I don't even want to remember his name because the guy was such a giant piece of shit. He had sexually assaulted Sarah before we started dating, and I believe that had been part of her impetus for wanting to move in with me so quickly. In addition to being an idiot, he was abusive towards Brenda and constantly cheated on her. I remember talking with Brenda before she moved out. I had chastised her for putting up with him in the first place after what he had done to Sarah. She didn't believe it. She didn't want to. And what bothered me the most was the fact that she never loved him. And that she was with him so he could help with her bills. She acted like Sarah and I were insane for being together because of love. Exactly, Beau had said. Now look, don't repeat this, because she's my sister and I love her, but she is a spiteful bitch. She is so bitter, she don't want anybody else to be happy unless she's happy too. You think she'd want her daughter to get married if she wasn't even seeing anybody? Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. It seemed a little too harsh for me. He went on in an exaggerated fashion, as though I hadn't interjected at all. Oh, hell no. That woman is so bitter and selfish. She loves Sarah. But Sarah is the only allowed to be happy and away from her or she happy too. Winnie did the same thing to me years ago. I was dating this girl and she did everything she could to break us up. And she did. She wants to control every aspect of her daughter's life. And you making less money or whatever gave her reason to get her daughter back. She says, Mike's no good for you. You gotta break up with him. It was weird to me. But it started to make sense. The day of my birthday, she was distant, acting as though a friend had died. She moved out the next morning. I guess what had died for her was our happy relationship. I continued to watch the puzzle come together in my head as he continued. She wanted to be with you, but her mother made her choose. She had to make a choice between you or her mother. And you know that her mother was the only one there for her her whole life. They are staying with me now. I see it every day. Sarah will get a message from you or something and her mom will yell. Don't talk to that boy. Don't you be thinking about that boy. He's no good for you. Don't even respond. Holy shit. It all made sense. The brief communication, then silence. He was right. I told him so. He told me to be patient that her mother had found some other rich man to latch on to and that Sarah would come running back. I told them about the brain tumor and that I may not have the time. I was outside glancing at the medical paperwork on my iron table in the carport, trying to chain smoke away the pain in my heart and pulsing headache. I was on medication and things were pretty fuzzy for me, but since the diagnosis, I'd begun to enjoy the little things in life just a tad more smell of grass after the rain, insects I'd forgotten existed, I now saw everywhere. Doodlebugs, dragonflies, ants. I was actually watching an interesting little platoon of fire ants when Sarah showed up to the house. Her face was calm. Her curly black hair was pulled back in a ponytail. And she made her trademark wide smile at the dogs when she saw them. Her smile was always big. I teased her once that she reminded me of the Joker. She kind of did. As she knelt down in her gym shorts to pet Aime, the little corgi jumped into her arms. Our eyes locked for a second and we both smiled. I looked away, back down to the ants as I lit up another cigarette. So, I might have a tumor. I figured I might as well out with it. I couldn't even look at her when I said it. When I looked up, she was sitting in the chair laughing. I could feel my eyes turning red and welling with tears. Why the fuck are you laughing? Do you not believe me? There's paperwork right there. I pointed to the papers at the table. I somehow figured she wouldn't believe me and assumed that's why she was chuckling. No, Michael, she said, leaning back and resting her arms in the chair. I believe you. It's just fucking ironic. After all that's happened. Her voice had that valley girl cheerleader quality to it that often made what she said sound disingenuous. And she was half laughing when she said, Your life sucks. I was in disbelief. She didn't really seem to care all that much, or be the least bit worried. I could no longer look at her. My eyes fell from her gaze to her tanned legs, where Ayn was sitting, enjoying himself as usual. Thane, my curly-haired Airedale, had already said hello and decided to do her own thing off in the yard. Thane was always a bit of a loner, happily wagging her tail, sniffing for squirrels. When did you get that scar on your knee? I pointed to the spot I'd just noticed for the first time. She squinted at me. Uh, like always? Like my whole life? I was furiously petting the dog. She was only half interested in me. My eyes still looked watery and disheartened. I struggled to hold it together. I didn't want to break down in front of her. I leaned against the table, head in hand, and sort of hid my eyes. I guess I never noticed. I I notice things more now, you know? She didn't bother responding. Just kind of looked around the yard. So, what have you been doing? Working, adventuring, you know, the usual I wasn't even sure why she was here. She had asked if she could come over and hang out for a bit. But I guess I was expecting something more. Without even looking up from the dog, she said, That's nice. Are you seeing anyone? Here was the rub, I thought. That's a real question. I was, in fact, seeing a few people. And she had to know about it. Usually after most of the tears passed from a breakup, I got right back up on the horse. Playing the field had always been... A safer option for me. Something about not putting all my eggs in one basket until I was ready. Really sure my emotions were more than just infatuation. I made Sarah wait six months for a commitment while I dated other women. And she constantly competed for my affections. I was in fact seeing a few people at the time. The need to choose my words carefully was imperative. Which girl should I mention, if any? There was the quirky Ivy leaguer, Kate, who would make a hilarious story. Amanda was attractive enough to make Sarah very jealous. But she was a loose cannon, and I didn't feel like I was going to keep her around much longer. And then there was Haley, with her big smile and funny laugh. She actually reminded me the most of Sarah. As I thought about it, I realized that was exactly why I liked her so much. She was a rebound. Well, are you going to answer me? I guess my brain was processing slowly that day. I was staring off into space when I finally replied, Yeah, a few. This one girl, Haley, is really smart, funny, all that. Why, are you seeing anyone? I turned to look at her and she replied, Yeah, actually I am. I stood up, dusting the dog hair from her lap. Brian, he's an engineer really? Does that matter? That he's an engineer? I asked, curling my fingers to make air quotes as I said the word engineer. I went on accusingly. Is that all there is to him? She didn't even try to defend herself. Yeah, um, like he's going to make a lot of money and that means my mom approves. So she like really likes him. He's very good on paper. It really bothered me. It was like She had a list of men, and she was just going down. Another Brian, engineer. She huffed, as though she didn't want me mentioning him at all. I could tell she wanted to go inside. Her scalp was sweating so much it had started to drip. I stood up as well, and sarcastically chided her some more. Yes, because we should all choose our partners based on how they look on paper, not how much they move us. I began to grip my teeth. I could feel anger overtaking my sadness, as my temples throbbed from the pain. She looked at me sharply, as though personally insulted, and said oddly enough, I know you talk to my uncle. My face formed the most what-the-fuck expression any face could possibly form. That's a non sequitur. Her face said it wasn't. She walked towards the steps to the pink and white shotgun house saying, Whatever. It's hot out here. Let's go inside. With a shrug, I whistled for the dogs to follow and went inside. She was on the futon in the living room. We had basically three sofas in the living room. She picked the one that turns into a bed. She was smiling at me like she used to. I looked down at the floor. The tile was old and cracked in places. My slumlord was a typical old man who didn't give a fuck. The old tile floor was painted with regular wall paint and covered in chips and scrapes from normal wear and tear. The walls in the living room were salmon-colored. And like a lot of older shotguns in the area, each room was painted a different, vibrant color. I looked up, glancing at the fan that hung precariously by its own entrails, inches from the ceiling, broken, hoping she wouldn't notice and judge me for the house being so run down. She judged. This house actually cleans up really nice, and the dogs seemed happy. You did a good job. I breathed a sigh of relief. I was nervous, frantic, pacing a bit. The pounding in my head was growing stronger like a train. I needed medicine. So about your uncle. She leaned forward as though she was going to start some speech, then abruptly leaned back. Can you stop pacing? You're standing weird and twitching. You make me uh when you pace all the time. She placed her hand by her side, almost slightly patting the sofa. She made a quizzical face as I approached her. I was so unsure of myself at that moment. Can, can I sit next to you? She looked at me like I was the biggest sort of idiot, but in the pain and delusion that it brought, I was still confused. It's not like I'm going to rape you or anything. You know me. Jesus Christ, Michael. I know you wouldn't rape me. She sighed motioning with both hands for me to sit next to her. For someone so smart, you are really dumb. I grimaced, rubbing my temple as I sat down. I'm not dumb. I'm just confused. Like, I'm not sure about your body language right now and stuff. And you also talk too much and don't know when to shut up. She sighed, and I put one hand over my mouth as though she had cast a spell. Leaning on the futon's wooden armrest, with her chin in her hand, she finally started talking. I know you talked to my uncle, and he told me everything that he told you. You know, like, there are only one of two things, like either my uncle's right, or like, I'm this stone-cold bitch who never cared at all. She paused and looked at me. I didn't say anything. At that exact moment, all I could think of was the absurd pounding in my brain and how the edges of my eyes had started to blur from it. "'Well?' It was like she snapped her fingers to remove the spell of silence. I turned to look at her, a few feet from her face. Her brown eyes were glistening, like she was about to show me the coolest trick. I responded lackadaisically, still entranced with the situation and the pain. "'Well, what?' I stood up and started walking out of the room. "'I needed medicine.' pain was getting so much worse. God, where are you going? She drew her words out as I walked out of the room to grab a half-medicine's cabinet worth of prescriptions and a bottle of water. I ignored her. I needed not to die. That was more important than this one conversation. If it's an aneurysm, it could burst, the doctor had said. They needed to keep it controlled. They were still figuring out exactly what it was. I sat down on the adjacent sofa from her, drowning pill after pill, slightly gagging on the big ones. She began to look concerned. Wow, like, you are really all sick. Is is that all you? I nodded. It would take a bit to kick in, but the apex of pain had passed. I waved a hand for her to go on as I said. I told you I was sick. You laughed. She ignored the dig as though I hadn't even said it. She waved her hand back at me. You answer. Oh. I thought for a moment. It took a bit of effort to remember everything. So you either love me or you're a stone-cold bitch. I raised an eyebrow at her and gave her my biggest grin. So you're a stone-cold bitch, then? She laughed and then leaned back to tuck her legs underneath her. We both smiled and looked at each other for a moment. I do love you, Michael. She always liked to call me Michael. A few people actually called me that. Okay, I smiled. I love you, too. So what's the problem? She rolled her head at me. One hand began to absurdly play with the stray hair on her scalp. And the other was on her lap, as she explained. It's not that simple. She was the worst communicator of the decade. In fact, she was so terrible that we would often resort to passing notes with questions or had essentially to guess what she was upset about. This time I already knew. Your mother? I looked past her. Crossly, as though her mother were sitting there. Uh, yeah, her reply insinuated that I was the captain of the good ship, obvious. Okay, look, you love me, I clearly love you, we were happy together, right? She nodded as I continued. You said you've never been happier your whole life, consistently, in your whole life, and that you wanted to marry me. Is that still true? She gave me a moronic look again. Yes, Michael. But... You were also controlling in the relationship. And like, my mom runs my life now. I don't have a choice. She said it casually, but it felt insulting. Look, every single fucking time I would ask you, you never made your own decisions. That's why I gave you options. My words went back and forth from angry to pleading. I wasn't trying to be controlling. But you were always so goddamn indecisive, and you never spoke up. I know, uh, I was a bad communicator, she sighed. I do love you. I believe you're my soulmate. I didn't come here to fight again. I I can just leave. I sat down next to her and looked her right in the eyes. They were glistening, waiting. Then fuck it, I whispered, leaning in for a cautious kiss with my hands by my sides. She turned her head slightly. I could almost feel her frustration with me. No, she whispered and smiled at me. I leaned away from her as though she'd slap me. Why the fuck not? If I kiss you, then we're going to have sex. If we have sex, then all those feelings will come right back and we will be right back together. To me, she was talking like a crazy person, but I could tell that what she was saying somehow made sense to her. I pressed her. And that would be bad? She started to look frustrated and let out a highly sarcastic, No, but you heard my uncle. So because of your mother, she controls your life now. I stood up and began to pace emotionally. Look, I got this big-ass place for us. You know if it were me, I'd be living in an efficiency. But you said, Michael, move back to New Orleans and get a place for us so we could be together. She gave me a puzzled look. You think I like dealing with my mother? You think I wouldn't rather live here with you and the kids? Like, duh, of course I would, Michael. Then why don't you? I was getting angry, but the drugs were kicking in to add a layer of confused euphoria. Because you aren't the same man I fell in love with. I know he's in there, but you aren't him. I rolled my eyes and sat down on the coffee table in front of her in frustration. I am the same. I'm just kind of sick and kind of broke right now. The way she looked at me was like I was the saddest puppy. No, no, Michael, you're not. You haven't been the same in months. Can you just fucking tell me what's different? How am I supposed to know? The medicine was making me more emotional than normal, and I tried to hide it. But I started sobbing, as she said. You're the man, Michael. You're supposed to figure it out. You were always the one to figure everything out. Figure things out. She stood up to walk around, and I did my best to regain my composure will you at least go to the hospital with me she absently looked at the painting of the cellist i had on the wall no i'm very busy and my mom wouldn't let me anyway the crying stopped and turned back to anger will you help me out with the bills like you promised i'm really struggling here now she turned and looked at me and shook her head sharply no michael i have bills too besides my mom watches my bank account she controls everything she just seemed so frustrated with me. Look, I pleaded, holding my hands out in front of me. I helped you get that bank job. I knew the guy. I wrote the resume. I'm only asking for like 20 bucks for dog food. I have no money. I can't work. I've been too sick. She just kind of shrugged. That sucks. I need my money, though. Who was this person? I had only asked her for what she made in one hour at work. Then why the fuck did you come over? I stood up to face her now, though she wasn't smiling. That glisten was back in her big brown eyes. She just stood there like a doe for a moment, saying nothing. I let out a frustrated growl as I walked right past her to the bedroom. Then I'll get your things and you can get the fuck out. She let out a frustrated sigh. If that's what you want, Michael, I began walking back and forth between the bedroom and the living room, tossing clothes at her. This isn't what I want. Your actions have made this. She was picking up the clothes as I threw them and looked up at my face. God, you just don't get it. You are so frustrating. I just kept going back and forth, piling her things in the living room. Oh, I fucking get it. Your mom's a bitch and you don't have the courage to stand up to her. You're also a fucking oath-breaker. She didn't say anything. She just started going through the clothes. Some of these clothes aren't even mine. She let out a frustrated howl, holding up two pairs of women's underwear. These are like two different sizes. What the fuck, Michael? I turned to her smugly. Yeah, uh, I've had plenty of women over here, and they leave things. She was both disappointed and angry in the same instant. I can't believe you're having sex in our bed. Uh... You broke up with me, remember? It's what I do. How could you expect me not to? I gave her a glare, and she looked right back. I haven't even kissed anyone else, much less had sex. We were working together now, bagging up her things as I went on to berate her. I fucking doubt that. Oh, wait, that might be true. You did tell me you never liked sex. Whose fault is that? She let out a frustrated sigh. (laughs) You know I miss it, too. I rolled my head at her and opened the front door. And why the fuck don't you just go and screw Billy or whomever, whoever and go? She picked up the box and the garbage bags full of shit as angrily as she could. God, you are so dumb sometimes. You're incorrigible. She began to walk out, looking back at me with frustration. I just gave her a dismissive wave with my hand and snapped right back at her. You're fucking more incorrigible. And that's my motherfucking word. I told you to stop using it. She groaned again and huffed at the steps, going down them as I continued harassing her. Don't let the gate hit you in the ass. And don't bother calling me again with your bullshit. As she put her things in the car, she looked at me again with a sad disappointment one last time. You just don't fucking get it, do you? I gave her the most insincere smile and wave I'd ever given and said, Oh, I get it. You're a dumb bitch. See ya. Just before I slam that door shut. That night after she was gone, I got a notification on my phone. Thank you for your $200 purchase at DSW, the Shoe Warehouse. Your express delivery is set for... I stopped reading in utter shock. She wasn't exactly a computer person, and I had set up a PayPal account for her. When we were dating, I had used my savings to help her start her own jewelry business. I would help her track the shipping, so the notifications went to my phone. She didn't have the $20 to support me and pay for dog food, but she had $200 to buy shoes. I felt so betrayed by the person I had thought she was. I became angry and obsessed. I wanted to hurt her emotionally the way she had hurt me. I didn't want her to be happy. I obsessively checked her social media accounts, called her mother and her friends incessantly like a madman. I'd show up where I thought she was going to be to make her uncomfortable. It was not healthy. The only time I wasn't focused on her was when I was chasing tail with my friends Jim and DC. Jim was a player who didn't respect women or give a shit. Back then, he played the game, told them what they wanted to hear just to get them into bed. He was a doctor, a race car driver, a physicist. Whatever lie we thought would work, worked. DC was his friend and roommate. Back then, he was a lost sheep, too, in his own way. He worked at the zoo and wasn't sure what he really wanted to do in his life or what kind of man he would become. He was focused on learning how to become a better player from Jim and I. He avoided attachment like the plague. He had a carefree attitude. Deep down, I always knew he was the more sane of the three of us. He'd say things like, Are you sure you want to do that? Yes. I was invested in my anger. Let's go to the bar, where her and her new boyfriend are, so I can confront him. DC frowned a bit, heartfelt. You think that's a good idea? What are the possible outcomes? I glowered and beamed. I'll feel better. We went. It was a sports bar, packed with TV screens and Men in Saints jersey. Brian was there by himself, waiting for Sarah or someone else to show up. I smirked wolfishly at DC. Look, there he is. You want to come over with me? He frowned. Do you need me to? He was more of a lover than a fighter, and he went on. I'm just here for the show and the emotional support. I shrugged. No, I don't. I can handle him, I'm sure. I was hopped up on pain meds and muscle relaxers and a bit drunk. He looked down at the bar and said, Hey, so, could you consider maybe not beating his ass? I chuckled. I didn't think he was serious. I know you've, like, killed people or whatever. You don't need to do this. DC tried to calm me. This dude probably doesn't even know who you are. Try just reasoning with him first. My face wrinkled up in confusion and I thought about the outcomes. It was a crowded bar. Did I want to be arrested for this? I nodded. You're right. But if he steps... I walked over with a whiskey and coke and a shit-eating grin. The ice in my drink jangled as I plopped it down next to him. "'Brian!' I glowered at him sarcastically. "'How you doing, buddy?' He looked utterly confused. Putting his phone down on the bar to turn to me, he said, "'Do I know you?' "'I'm Mike.' I grinned, my posture ready to strike him. He began to stand up, a full foot taller than me. The excitement on my face must have been obvious, because he took a step back, confused. "I "'I don't want any problems.' "'So do you know me?' I said with a raised eyebrow. He was unsure. I I mean, Sarah said that you you were some guy harassing her and that y'all used to talk. I frowned as my fist began to ball up. He was afraid. He wasn't looking to fight at all. Hey, friend, I'm not sure what the problem is, but, but I don't want any. She said I was harassing her and that we, I paused for emphasis and air quoted, used to talk? He nodded and I said, wow, that hurts. I began to feel sadness. He could see it. Brian wasn't the bad guy I hoped he was. He was empathetic. Hey, what do you you mean? We were living together for for years. My anger was rapidly becoming sadness. She just says we used to talk like, like I was a hookup. We only broke up two months ago. Oh, fuck, man. He looked down, too. I could see he understood. I was feeling. I'm, I'm sorry. She and I started talking three months ago. She, she didn't even mention you until a few weeks ago. I was in shock. The math. DC was watching from a safe distance, entertained by the conversation. Brian went on. Tell me what happened. I, I barely know her. I told him how I'd supported her and how at the end I'd asked for 20 bucks for dog food and she bought shoes. I even showed him the notification. I laughed. I bought her those tits. Do you like them? He was utterly disappointed. Dude, that's insane. I'm insane, I laughed, but was being honest. No, he said, frowning, taking a swig from his beer. Man, I'd lose it too. I waved DC over to join us. We ended up becoming friends that night. He thanked me. Man, you really helped me dodge a bullet. I always thought it was odd. She'd ask me how much I was going to make all the time. At the time, I believed the ends justified the means. That what I had done was right. I was still so angry. None of my friends agreed with what I was doing. They knew I was broken. Nisa called me a few days later. Her tone was sardonic and cold. Hey, Mike, I need to talk to you. I was on my porch. People watching, high on pain pills and whiskey. "'Sure, I got a minute. How are you and Nick?' "'We're fine. I'm not going to talk about it.' She was curt. "'I talked to Sarah. I want to ask you something.' "'Oh?' (laughs) Uh, I laughed, sloshing my drink and spilling some on the porch. "'I bet that was fun.' "'I'm trying to be serious,' she scolded. "'Can you be serious?' "'Sure.' I put my drink down and lit up a cigarette to listen. "'Go ahead, Nisa. I'm listening.' Did you talk to her boyfriend and get him to break up with her? I listened smugly. I'm sure as fuck I did. Defending myself, I went on. I mean, he made his own decision on his own. I just told him the fucking truth. That's fucked up. She sounded utterly disappointed. It's not your place to do that. You need to let it go. You have a problem. She doesn't deserve to be happy. I said proudly. If I'm not happy... Why should she get to be happy? I was justified. She bought fucking shoes. I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know anything about that. She went on. I don't want to talk to you anymore if you're going to be like this. It's really unhealthy. You need help. <laughs> I laughed like it was a big joke. Life was a big joke to me. Who cares? I'm fine. Maybe I'll die tomorrow. Maybe I'll kill myself. I don't give a shit anymore. She told me to get a hold of myself and said I was, she said, you're acting like a ratchet prick. Nisa and I stopped talking after that for a long time. Years of silence, maybe responding to my social media posts as I dated this girl or traveled to some place interesting. I thought our friendship was dead.